0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to take it back. We're going back to October 31st. 2000. On that day. Outcast released their fourth studio album, Stankonia. And we're going to talk about it. Stankonia, 20 years later. It's hard to believe that this album is actually turning 20. But we're going to break down the tracks. We're going to talk about the production. We're going to talk about just our overall feelings about this album. And I've got a special co-host. The homie, Matt B, is back in the building. So sit tight. After the break, we will present to you Stankonia. 20 years later, on the 12 Kyle podcast. Let's get it.
1: When I first heard Stankonia, I remember feeling like, man, music is going to a real far out place. Once it got heard, it pretty much couldn't get taken back at that point. It's going so fast, like you couldn't even catch them joints. We know it was genuine, we knew it was authentic, we knew it was real.
0: Laundry did open up that gate for people to be
1: young thug. They broke down walls, so definitely Mavericks. Everything was just different. Gator belts and Patty Milks and Monte Carlo's and El Dorado. So I'm waking up out of my slumber, feeling like Rollo. So follow, it's Showtime and the Apollo, minus the Kiki Shepherd. With about to It's almost done. The title stank on you after the studio. We're going to give it to you like outcast give it to you every time. And that's raw, uncut, and brand new. We ain't doing nothing nobody else doing out there on the street. We come, to, you know what I'm saying, put heat in the game. So everybody, you know what I'm saying, jump on something new. You know what I'm saying, get motivated to... Do something real, original, and positive, because that's how we like to make our music. You know I'm
0: Welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, we are taking it back. We're going back, talking about uh, a great album from a, one of the premier groups in hip-hop. Uh, October 31st, in the year 2000, Outkast dropped their album, Stankonia. And um, we're here to talk about it. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, I got the homie in the building. You you know him. He's been on here before, my man Matt B. Matt, what's good, brother?
2: Episode number five of me being on here. You know, oh, had wow. to had to hit the <laughs> five mark real quick. Uh, had to do had to do the second episode on Outcast real quick. The first one we were debating this. was, You know, just I guess well is reminiscing. This album brings me back, man. Mm-hmm. Oh no oh, doubt. Oh shit, I can't wait to talk about this.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Um October 31st, <sighs> 2000, uh this album comes out. Uh we're going to talk about the tracks, but before we get into the tracks, I want to I want to actually take it back. Um by this time, you know, Outkast is, you know, one of the premier uh hip hop groups in the world. Uh they they are superstars upon stars. They're coming off the heels of the 1998 Equemini album and, um... Classic. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> so people are wondering, you know, can they do it again? And, um, you know, we found out very quickly what the Outcast formula would look and sound like. But I want to go back. Tell me if you can remember, um... Like your first memories of listening to this album, you know, if you had it on tape or CD or whatever the case may be. But, um, what were your initial thoughts when you heard this album for the first couple of times that you listened to it?
2: Um, well, it was the first album I got of them together as a duo because, you know, as we've mentioned a few times on your podcast, there's an age gap between us. But, uh, You know, and I don't mean that as an insult for anybody listening. You know, it just, it just, just is what it is, you know? Um, But I got it when I was 13. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents had just recently separated and my dad got me this album for Christmas, put it on my list and whatnot. And um, I remember getting it and listening to it. And I just remember how much variety there was to it, but they still made it sound cohesive. And then you know after that I went back to their first three and I was just like okay so they did what tribe didn't do because I feel like there's a lot of connections between outcast and tribe like tribe had the three peat you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. they had like the pe- they had the people's instinctive travels they had low end theory they had midnight marauders whereas outcast you had you know southern playlist at aliens and Aquemini, but you listen to Beats, rhymes and life by tribe they weren't able to they weren't able to hit the four peat on them you know what I'm saying? And I love Tribe, but mm-hmm. they didn't put out their fourth, they didn't put a fourth great album out until 2016, um, which was, we got it from here, thank you for your service, which, as you said in the Dead End Hip Hop review, picked up where Midnight Marauders left off. Without cast, however, with Stankoni approved, because, you know, and I and I feel like I've said this on your podcast before, Kyle, but. You know, you look at a lot of the best hip hop acts, you look at a lot of the best groups, and there's there seems to always be in a row standard, mm-hmm. right? Like you look at tribe, you look at a uh, public enemy, you look at uh shit, who else? Needless to say, there's you know, a lot of the best acts in hip hop. They got the three album run and then there's a dip, right? Mm-hmm. Outcast didn't have that this was like okay they they could do it a fourth time you know that's what this album proved it was just like nah don't hold us to the first three we can follow up the first three with a fourth
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know and i feel like they broke that stigma they broke the three-peat rule they put out their fourth classic album at least to me anyway you know um yeah man i loved it you know it's i feel like when andre said the um the hip-hop source or the south got something to say in terms of like i'm not talking lyrically or creatively but this album to me kind of proved that in a sales sense you know what i mean okay. because like if you like for anybody who thought that they were big before this this album they they fucking like they were stars before this this album made them super super duper stars you know like th- this was like this album made them popular in the white crowd too
1: it, you know, it wasn't
2: just, over. yeah, like, like you meet a lot of white people that are hip-hop fans that like Outkast. They may not have even heard those first three albums. I would know I've experienced being in conversations with, I'm not going to say who, but certain people that I've known in my life that were just like, oh, I've never heard their first three albums, but Stankonia, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this album crossed them over into that white crowd. Do you get what I'm saying? Right, like. Right like it got them more play on VH1, MTV, you know, it it wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't just your Rap City and your Yo! MTV Raps anymore. It wasn't just, it wasn't just BET and, you know, all that stuff. It was mm-hmm. like, nah, fuck that. They're getting played on TRL now.
0: Right. You and know, you know mean, what
2: I mean? I, like, I think, they're getting uh, played on pop radio.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that was one of the things that, um to some people <laughs> was their downfall with this album. I don't want to say, maybe I shouldn't use the word downfall, but that was the, the, the difference. It turned
2: the hard, it, it turned the hardcore hip hop heads right, away. Right.
0: Um, my first memories of this album was, um, and I'll never forget. It was the, uh, was the lead single, uh, B.O.B. Uh, Bombs Over Baghdad. Um uh, that was crazy because there was the song and then there was the video and i just remember it getting uh airplay on the radio and i by that time i'd moved i moved here to atlanta um from south carolina in 1997 so i was here for you know when a Quim and i came out and how the city was buzzing and was crazy and just the whole vibe of how atlanta was when a and I came out and there was a similar buzz. It wasn't the same, but it was a different buzz, but we knew something was going to be like, we knew it was going to be crazy. And um, I remember seeing the video for bombs over Baghdad and seeing the, uh, and then actually hearing it played on the radio, which was crazy because you know, <laughs> a song with, you know, those kind of BPMs doesn't get play on a hip hop station. And by then we oh, had hip hop no. stations, but this was outcast. So it was the lead single and the video was crazy. And, um,
2: like the like, BPM, yeah. the BPM on that song, that's something that you would hear more on like the Indian underground hip hop scene. That's not right. something that you are hearing on a mainstream, like big time hip hop album, but right. sorry, continue.
0: And, and for those of you listening, BPMs beats per minute. Um, yep. a hip hop song is never that fast. And to be able to rap over a song that fast is crazy. So it made like, no sense. It no, literally no, made no, no sense. And, no, and nobody's <laughs> ever tried. No, nobody's ever tried to do that. But, you know, this was, you know, what OutKast is known for. Just when you think they're going one way, they go the other way. And I thought that was um, you know, one of the critical things about this album. And so that was my first introduction was the song and the um, and the video. And, and I, I thought I thought both were incredible. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, so after you heard it, um, and I guess my next question would be: after you heard it, uh, what? And we'll we'll get into the tracks in just a second. But do you remember if there were a track? I tell you what, give me your top or your favorite three tracks on the album your favorite three tracks on the album um and why you like those particular tracks more than you know more than the others
2: um so I'm gonna go oof this is tough because I mean this is a long album it's 24 including skits yeah and skits are hilarious but we'll get into that later it's
0: like 74 minutes Uh,
2: I'm gonna go gasoline dreams Mm. uh no, actually, I take that back. I'm going to go so fresh, so clean. I know that's such a basic answer, but mm. that's, you know, this is my list. Fuck y'all.
1: <laughs> um,
2: so fresh, so clean, snapping and trapping is what made me a Killer Mike fan. Mm. Oh, my God. He killed that. Woo! Oh, I'll, I'll quote bars later. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I feel like I should give five, but you said three. You
0: Just got to do three. <laughs> Just three,
2: so fresh, so clean, spaghetti junction and b o b
0: mm okay, okay, okay,
2: um, I'm gonna remove snapping and, and trapping and put spaghetti junction,
0: okay, my three um definitely spaghetti junction, uh oh, man. man,
2: such let's... a dope track,
0: um. <laughs> gasoline dreams is my second one and um damn don't uh, no, no. i probably say i probably say bombs over baghdad because that was that was the introduction on the album so yeah those 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 are my three favorite joints um yeah and it's
2: hard to pick, it's it hard is. to pick it singles is. but but you know because it's just like you always want to be the guy you always want to pick like the deeper album cuts but Mm -hmm. like without cast it doesn't really matter nah you know what i'm saying so
0: um now conversely if there was one track that you could be like you know what let's take this one off what's the one track you would take off this album
2: um it got to be a head, track. It, I wouldn't, it
0: can't be an interlude. or Yeah, it can't be an interlude. got to be a track.
2: I'm looking through right now. You know what? I'm going to say I'll call before I come.
0: Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. And
2: you know what? That hurts because I actually really love that song. But I guess compared to everything else on the album, that's the one I like the least. Right. But I still love it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, here, right. that, like, asking me to take that song off is like, okay, putting a gun to your head, take one off now. Mm. It, like, so yeah, that, that's the one I'd take off. But I mean, that, that, that's tough though. It was between that and explosion.
0: You know, I wasn't sure which, you know, if, if we would, uh, if we would have, you know, any that would be the same or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I'm, that one's coming off of me, um, it's not that it's a bad song, it's just eh, I can do without it it's 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 a skip for me
2: it's ca- it, it it is catchy though I will say, it, oh yeah, it's
0: definitely catchy, and that's one of the reasons why I think they did it um
2: but at yeah. first it wasn't a single,
0: you know what I think there was some talk about it, but I think that was just honestly, I think that was just the streets that were talking because you look at the it's a little. You look at it the is singles. a
2: little sexually explicit to well, like not, the title.
0: Not even that, but you look at the single, the singles that they released, um, Bombs Over Baghdad, Miss Jackson, So Fresh, So Clean. So honestly, it doesn't single wise, it doesn't stack up to those songs. You know, no, it doesn't. If, if that's your fourth single, you're like, uh no. I mean, to be honest, fans would have been like, nah, man, we're not feeling this. <laughs> so Maybe um, humble mumble maybe with with Badu, yeah, maybe,
2: yeah, that, um, I love that song too we'll definitely. we'll get into that,
0: definitely, um, but yeah that that would be the one joint um that i would uh that i probably take off uh now, obviously, one of the things that outcast is you know tremendously known for is their production, um, the production on this album, uh just like all of their albums, you know, it's very, very futuristic, eclectic. Very, yeah, very eclectic, very diverse. Um, you know, it's funk. It's, <laughs> you know, punk rock, if you will, it's hip hop is dirty South. Um, psychedelic. Yes, definitely psychedelic. Um, there's a gospel feel and, you know, like in songs oh, yeah. like, uh, like, uh, bombs over Baghdad.
2: Um, you can tell that organized noise and outcast on a production tip were inspired by like the church Inspired by who? You definitely though, By like going to church, like the music oh yeah, that yeah. the music that you would hear in church. No doubt. No, you know.
0: definitely gospel music. Um, and again, it's the South. So, you know, they, they're going to definitely have that type of uh, that type of feel to to the music that they're doing. Um, but yeah, man, what, what, did, what were your overall thoughts about the production? Like you, you mentioned Organized Noise, which is the team that you know obviously uh, gave birth to OutKast. Um, they did the production on here as well as, you know, self-contained with, you know, Andre and, and Big Boy and um, Mr. DJ uh, doing production as well. But that's pretty much who produced this album. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on um on the pro- production of this album?
2: I mean, similar to what I said before, sonically, I was really impressed with how every every song sounded different from the last one, but they still made it flow. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was because you, you hear a lot of artists that try to make a super diverse album, but there's really nothing that connects the songs together that make it a cohesive body of work. Um, but I feel like, especially in like on the mainstream to when it comes to hip hop, like I feel like a lot of people that try to experiment, mm-hmm. they just fuck the album up by putting the songs in spots they don't belong. Right. But on this one, because of how dense the production is they found a what i really appreciated how they made everything flow together when everything sounded so different like it made no sense how cohesive this album is
0: yeah i i think one of the things that always stood out to me about the production is that um it was just like every other outcast album it was one step ahead of the game or maybe sometimes two steps ahead of the game um, you can listen, you know, going back now, listening to it, you can listen to this album and then understand why Outcast's is following album to this album. Um, Speakerbox, Love Below sounds the way that it does is because this is like a springboard into that realm, um, which...
2: Yeah, Speakerbox, Love Below, that's basically just this album split into two. Right,
0: right. And if you listen to, you know, a song like Chunky Fire, which is the is which is on the end of Aquemina, it sounds like it's a springboard into this album, so I love the I I love the fact that you know production wise, um, much like you said, man, they're not gonna be two outcast songs that sound the same, and um, it doesn't matter if it's a radio cut or if it's something just for the streets or just something that they want to, you know, you know vibe and get down to, so um. That was one of the things that I, I really always admired, not just on this album, but all of Outkast's albums, um, as far as how they got down with the production, because like Except I said, it's yes, the, yes, yeah, well, I don't count. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, it, I'm
2: just talking shit. It
0: was, uh, it, it was definitely incredible. Um, I tell you what, this is a great place to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll hear from Outkast. And on the other side of the break, Matt and I are going to break down Uh, the tracks. Uh, So sit tight. We'll be back in just a second.
1: How do you guys follow up an album like Aquemini? Was it critically successful? Is it best-selling record to date? How do you go about doing that? Uh, Very carefully, you know, try not to think about it, you know, too much. Just really try to stretch it, you know, push that envelope. We always felt like if you had a studio, you would always have a place to experiment with the music because if you have time to sit around and mess with stuff, it gets a little bit better when you play with it. When you own the joint, you stay here all day because you never know when the vibe's going to come. It could be 7 in the morning, could be 7 at night, could be midnight, you know what I mean? So I was sleeping with the music.
0: And we are back. Once again, it's your boy Twelve Kyle. This is the Twelve Kyle podcast, and we're talking about Outcast's Stankonia. And I got the homie Matt B in the building. And um, as I mentioned before the break, we are going to talk about the tracks. Uh, so the album starts off uh, with an intro, which is uh, if if you've by this time if you if you've heard uh southern playlisted cadillac music if you've heard uh ATLians, if you've heard Aquemini, and then this album the fourth album uh stankonia you know that outcast will give you some you know some really good uh, interludes and things of that nature and this was this album wasn't short on those as well um the
2: only one they didn't around that time was ATLians? There were no skits on that album, but yeah. the
0: other three. Yeah, they really didn't. They they had the intro on that, but they didn't have um, they didn't really have and a, even the
2: intro. Yeah, the intro on that was, was musical. Cool.
0: Yeah, it was just musical. Um, so we have the intro, and then we get into track two. Uh, you and I mentioned it a little earlier in the, in the podcast. Track two with uh, Cujo Goody is called "Gasoline Dreams." What did you oh, think about that track, man? man?
2: That song is so fucking hard, um, especially in a car. Like, I'm pretty sure that song is partly responsible for fucking up my Toyota Corolla speakers because <laughs> um, it just comes in and it just slaps you in the face with that electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And Andre is – that might be one of Andre's most aggressive verses um, because he just comes in like he's yelling at you. Like, it, it it makes you feel like you need to start fucking some shit up. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes like it—it's perfect revolution music. As cliche as that might sound, mm-hmm. like it's perfect for it. It's a perfect twenty twenty song.
1: Oh, no, um,
2: yeah. And then, and then Big Boy's verse comes in, and he had that line where he was just like "fuck the police," and I'm just like, "Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> talking about." Um, you know um he had that line where he was like officer get off me sir don't make me call la he'll have you walking tough like woo!
0: Yeah, yeah
2: like that's, it, that's one of those songs if i could compare it to the next movement of things fall apart i'm gonna say the same thing here where i said um this is one of those songs that makes you feel like you can run through a brick wall
0: mm-hmm. yeah, um it's definitely a great opener um as i mentioned earlier uh you know one of my favorite tracks on the album um great verses from andre great verse from big boy and then cujo goody from the goody mob uh it, it, he cleans up well as always man I, I i really um like i said one of my favorite songs on the album uh the guitar riff like you said is just crazy and it's it's a very high energy song and it just let you know like hey it, it if you had any doubts as to what outcast was doing they removed a lot of doubt with the first song, uh, you know, and actually track two, but that first actual song, um, gasoline dreams. Love that joint. I do too. And then we moved so to track dope. three, which is an interlude called I'm cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now this one was funny because, uh, somebody was high.
2: <laughs> oh man. Oh, <sighs> Yeah, she's just saying the same thing over and over and over again, and at the end, he's like, "Bitch, stay off that blow, break." Yep, man, yeah. and oh god, that shit is hilarious. Yeah,
0: and it's, it's that's the thing about good skits, man. Um, I've talked about this on on other podcasts as well. Um, when you look at groups like Outcast or even De La Soul, probably is. The premier group for skits on yeah, albums.
2: they 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 definitely made it cool. Oh, no it.
0: no doubt. And the thing about it is, when you listen to them and you listen to Outkast or even Wu Tang for that matter, when you hear these skits years later, they're still funny. Like it's, it's not like we don't know what they're gonna say, but it's just
2: <laughs> and keep feeding you and feeding <laughs> right, you and right. feeding you.
0: <laughs> right. So yeah, that, that stuff never oh. gets old, man. Never gets old. Um, then we move on to track four the ever popular so fresh so clean man what's your thoughts on that joint
2: it makes me want to wear a fur coat and get a cadillac (laughs) i'm I'm dead ass serious too like that song like just makes me feel like that song always puts puts an instant smile on my face like i say the same thing about uh bow tie off speaker box it makes me feel like i'm on some pimp shit Mm -hmm. um like just the way big boy comes in like the way that that bass is slapping um and andre comes in man, i can quote that song word for word. i'm not going to do it here but yeah i can quote that song word for word and then when andre comes in with the we are the coolest motherfuckers on the planet i'm like mm-hmm. yes. yes sleepy brown on the hook which yes, by the way he doesn't get enough he doesn't get enough credit as a singer yes
0: yeah i, you know, I, like, I, I agree with you a thousand percent man um much love and much props to Sleepy Brown, um, who is, I think, in this, in in all honesty, I think he's the hero of this particular song. He just, it was, it's it's harmonic, it's uh, funky as hell, it's you know a more updated version of you know what I think Parliament would have done in the '70s. It was just that dope, but um, it's a very obviously popular track track that they released. But nonetheless, man, um, still bangs, man. Still it kind of
2: sounds, it, it kind of sounds like the spiritual successor to Rosa Parks.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's,
2: it's at least to me,
0: it, it's one of those joints, man. That um, like you said, it, it crossed over. But I think one of the things that is impressive about it is that it doesn't give me the feel that they went into the studio with the intent on making it crossover it's one thing if your if your music crosses over to mtv trl whatever the case may be but it's another thing when you try to make a record that will cross over i don't think that that's what outcast was doing with this one so um yeah definitely uh so fresh so clean forever a jam um then track five the popular (laughs) miss jackson (laughs) oh man another another mtv staple man what's your thoughts on miss jackson
2: um, and you ain't hurry. And what was that line? And you ain't hurry. Speaking of Mo, cause my dick all in her mouth. I love big boy. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, this, uh, this, this, this is a jam, man. I mean, you know, I was talking to my dad recently about songs that are really, really great. That may have gotten played too much. Um, cause he was bringing up how, when he was growing up stairway to heaven by Led Zeppelin, literally mm-hmm. got played every five minutes to the point where people just got fucking tired of it um i feel like songs like miss jackson and hey Ya might be the hip-hop equivalent of that to a degree but now time removed since this song was still getting played a lot on the radio i listen to this song all the time i think it's great um it's not it's obviously my favorite outcast song not even mm-hmm. close but you know for a single i think it's fantastic
0: oh yeah no doubt man it is another joint is the
2: message the 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 content i'm sorry i keep cutting you off but the content was for a radio jam was Mm -hmm. fantastic
0: yeah Yeah. i I think it's it's the the way that this is flowing at this point in the album um it fits where they put it uh it's a song that you know (laughs) i think i speak for everybody we've heard it enough but it's still even the all after all these years it's still a good joint, and, you know, when it comes on, people gonna move. So, you know, that's that's really where it is.
1: Sorry, Miss Jackson. Like, that joint is, like, one of the best hip-hop songs of all time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the message behind it and everything. You know, infidelity and relationships and, and parenthood. Like, you know, those are topics that, you know people don't really focus on these days and i'll be there on the first day of school and graduation like that's a
0: that's very prophetic like that's very big statement like i'm I'm gonna be here from the beginning and even though me and your mother don't get along
1: a lot of people gonna be able to relate to that because you know it's the baby's mama's mama song always feeling you know wondering how somebody feel about you after certain things don't work out you know and just really just saying you know it's nobody's fault you know let's try to make the best of what we got More on that level. You know what I'm talking about? People could relate to Miss Jackson. You know, we're just coming from our own personal perspectives of being young fathers and one not being with the mother of your kid and the other one being with the mother of your kid and just telling how we foresaw the relationship with your kid's grandma being. (laughs) Um,
0: Then we move to track six Snapping and Trapping featuring Killer Mike and uh, Jay Sweet. Uh, What you got on that joint?
2: The Introduction to the World of Killer Mike.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Bro, the opening verse. Like, he just, he set it off sounding like a ticking time bomb. You know, like, his aggression. There's a line that he said on that song to this day that I quote verbatim when debating with people on how Killer Mike is a, is a greatest of all time rapper, Where he was like, banana n- need a split quit fucking with this. Like just the way he says things, it has like this mixture of like a Southern KRS one and ice cube. Mm. And then the way that him and big boy are just trading verse for mm-hmm. verse, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was like big boy was introducing the world to this dude that firm Atlanta, young, hungry, you know, like he, like he even lets Killer Mike set the song off. Yep. You know, it's like people need to do their homework when it comes to Killer Mike, man. It's not just run the jewels. It's he's been around for a minute, won yeah. a Grammy with OutKast with oh, no the question. whole, with the whole, whole world, world. So, right, right.
0: Yeah, you know, I think so um,
2: yeah, that's, that,
0: I think that's it was, uh, it, I think you're right. I think this was the first time that I heard Killer Mike rap before, um, and I do remember, <laughs> I do remember asking one of my partners here and I'm like, yo, who is this dude, Killer Mike? And he said, i never forget. He said, man, Killer Mike, he's from Adamsville. That's all I needed to hear <laughs> because Adamsville is a part of the city. Like they're not, they're known for a lot of things in Adamsville. Rapping ain't one of them. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's a pretty rough area, but, um, when he told me that one of the I was rougher
2: like, parts one of the rougher parts of <laughs> oh Atlanta gosh. yeah that, oh yeah gosh, okay man. no need to say more wait got I gotcha you. Yeah.
0: you ride through Adamsville you don't ride to Adamsville I'll put it like that <laughs>
2: so okay um, I can name a few parts of Baltimore that are like that yeah so, so
0: it, it's you know it's, but it's, it's but he's he he represented and always has represented this city to the fullest but um, yeah that was my first time hearing it man and I was I was I was really impressed with uh, you know with, with his his lyrical ability, and then once I saw him, I was just like, okay, this dude is for real. Um, but yeah, that 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 joint is, it still bangs to this day. Um, then we move to track seven, uh, which is the DF interlude, and then you get on to track eight, the aforementioned Spaghetti Junction. Um, oh. Talk to me about that one, man.
2: Oh my God, bruh elope whiskey slopes and fall like avalanches oh, Ah, yeah. jesus christ yeah. okay so here's my thing if you listen to this song and compare it to the rest of the album you notice that they sound younger on this song than they do on the rest of it their voices are a little higher pitched i think the I song was recorded that.
0: okay
2: i th- i think this song was recorded a few years prior similar hmm. to the way west savannah was on equipment and i okay you know because uh, like go back after this episode and re-listen to that song again mm-hmm. and like again uh, and miss the rest of the album their voices sound they sound younger you know like big boy's voice sounds substantially deeper on the rest of the album and i can tell just by the way it sounds that like with the way organized noise did it like this was probably a song that they recorded for one of their first two albums and it just didn't make the cut but uh, anyways yeah the bars oh my god mm. Oh my god, bro. Like, just trading verse for verse. Like, this is what made Outkast so great. Like, everybody's just, you know, raving about Andre the entire time. What made them great was the fact that they would go bar for bar with each other. And this is a perfect song to prove that.
0: Oh, no doubt. I agree. I think it's, uh, like I said, it's one of my favorites uh, on the album. It's in my top three. Um. First and foremost, they had me with the the title Spaghetti Junction because, uh, that's <laughs> Spaghetti Junction is uh is is what they call the intersection of where Interstate 285 and Interstate uh, 85 meet. And if you're familiar with Atlanta Spaghetti, there's always traffic at Spaghetti Junction, always. Um, but um, so when i heard the or saw the title track i was like "No, why the, why the hell they call it spaghetti junction and then i listened to it i was like, okay it's a little pay, paying homage to that you know that part of, of 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 the city but um yeah man they they came with bars on this one bars after bars after bars everybody got off and um yeah i i love this joint man it, like i said one of my favorite tracks um, sleepy brown on the hook again Man, sleep, when sleepy gets on the track, man, it makes it. He makes it sound so smooth, man. So,
2: bruh, I'm trying to tell you, Southern Nate dog. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly.
2: Hook. You you put him on a hook. Put him it's on a, a hook. Jam.
0: Oh yeah, he he's, he's gonna it's make a rap. it. Yeah.
2: Or a bridge. The bridge <laughs> exactly. works too. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah. I agree totally. Um, then track nine. Is uh, interlude with Kim and Cookie. Now this is my favorite. <laughs> this is my favorite interlude on the album.
2: Dick so shout came quick. I he got healed. I, I ain't, ain't get, get
0: mine. mine. <laughs> Man, listen. <laughs> let me tell you something.
2: That's it's, my terrible southern accent impression, by the way.
0: And and this Ugh. is this is when I realized like. What's the best way I can say this? This is when I realized, like, that I, because, again, I I moved here in 97. And so by this time, by the time of this recording, I've lived in Atlanta longer than i lived anywhere else in my life. Um, So this is home. But what was interesting was I had been here long enough to, when I heard that skit for the first time, or the first couple of times I heard it, I knew exactly what side of town they were from, and, it, and I was like, "Damn, you know that's bad when you can hear somebody, and you can be like, oh, they're from College Park, or oh, they're from East Atlanta, or oh, they're from Decatur, you <laughs> know that type of thing." So, um, where were they from, Kyle? Oh, they're definitely East Side. Okay. Um, one of I would say Kim was from East Side, and Cookies probably from the Swats.
2: Hmm.
0: Probably from the Swats, um, yeah. God, so that it, skit's so hilarious. Yeah, it, it is. It is, and I, I never, never grow tired of it. But again, it is one of my favorite skits. It's my favorite skit on the album, and one of my favorite hip hop skits, because uh, it's just, and that's a regular conversation from two women in Atlanta. No, no lie, at that particular time, that was so funny to me.
1: Him and Cookie. Ring, ring. Say hello, Cookie. Hello. Girl, I got something to tell you. Spill it, girl, spill it. Remember, old boy at the club. From last night. Last night. What's up? Went home with the motherfucker. I'm thinking I'm finna goddamn get my ass tore up. But, girl, what? What? Dick, so, shout. Shout. Came quick. (laughs) He got his, I ain't get mine. I'm like, fuck. You know, you talking all this goddamn shit, and you ain't shit. You don't got you a motherfucking minute. A minute motherfucking man. But it's all good, you know what I'm saying? Because before I got them, left this motherfucker, I hit this motherfucker up for everything. You hear me? I'm talking about wallet. I'm talking about credit cards, money. And you know what? I was going to hit him up for his goddamn pistol. But I ain't know how many motherfucking bodies he had on that motherfucker. You feel me? I feel you. But it's so good. Break!
0: Um, then we get to track 10, the aforementioned before I come with Gangsta Boo and Echo. Um. I, I didn't have anything else to add. Like I said, I thought this track was okay. It's not...
2: I got something I want to add. Go ahead. This song made me a Gangsta Boo fan. Really? Yeah, man. I never really I got mean, into
0: Gangsta Boo like that.
2: I, I was big on 3-6. It was just, you know, the time period. Their music was dark. It was, it you know, like, I, I like I listened to them more. I listened to, like, Bone Thugs, and I kind of put them in the same category um, in terms of, like, style-wise. Um, but, yeah, Gangsta mm-hmm. Boo, to me, it was always, like, a really underappreciated Southern rapper, and very underrated when it came to, like, you know, the female rappers. And Echo did her thing, too. I actually thought they outshined Big Boy and Andre on that song. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. That was one of Big Boy and Andre's weaker performances on the album. Okay, okay. Not that, I I don't think on a song like that that they were really, like, just good like, you know, lyrical, miracle, ribbity-ditty spiritual or anything like that, but... Yeah, I definitely think that they got outshined on that by Boo and Echo.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: And I might get torn up in your. I might get torn up in your comments you for will. saying that.
0: <laughs> you probably that's... will, because I won't go that far. I just, but it's it's not a song that I would listen to. You know, like I said, if if I'm if it comes on, I might listen to it. I might not. I probably won't listen to it. It's it's a skip for me. But you know, that happens.
2: Oh, uh, um, I do like the beat on that song. though. Yes. I will say that.
0: Oh no doubt, no doubt. Then we move to track twelve. Excuse me, track eleven. Uh, "Bombs Over Baghdad." Again, we talked about that a little earlier. Um, crazy, crazy lead single. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, go watch the video after you listen to this podcast. And one of the things that you'll find is that uh, not only was it colorful, but it the video when you put it in context as to where we are right now and at the time of this recording in twenty twenty it back then it looked futuristic but now it looks it still looks kind of futuristic and it looks you know um it's a very good visual you know and i think you know that was something that um yeah if, if you follow outcast they they definitely played and whoever directed their videos they played around with you know colors even if you go back to the uh, rosa parks video it wasn't something that they were afraid to do what were you what were you gonna say
2: T.I. was also talking about that video because he got interviewed amongst a bunch of other artists from Atlanta when they Mm -hmm. were doing an MTV special on this album five years ago for the 15th year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And T.I. was just like, it was really crazy how they made this really treacherous project building Mm -hmm. in Atlanta Mm -hmm. look so colorful and happy. (laughs) And if I'm not... and if I'm not mistaken, I think that project that they feel, that they shot the video outside of has been torn down since. Probably, but at least from at least from what I've read, a lot yeah. of the projects in you know, those areas some, yeah, have been torn yeah. down.
0: It might have been so. Bowen Homes. Um, I'll look it up. If I'm not mistaken, it was probably was Bowen Homes. But yeah, a lot of the project areas have been you know with uh, gentrification and everything else. Just nope, like any other That's city. not
2: just Atlanta. Oh no, no, it's everywhere.
0: But, it's everywhere, um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I think you're right. They they did they did do that. I can't remember which project it was, but they did do that um, at a project, and just really to have it look like that and still come out to be so colorful. If no one told you that they filmed it at a project you wouldn't know. <laughs>
2: yeah, cuz like T I said it was a very treacherous mm-hmm. <laughs> a very treacherous project mm-hmm. building it and they was. made it look super happy.
0: Definitely were. On a
2: day where on a day where without those colors and without the kids running and everyone smiling it probably exactly. would have looked pretty grim. Oh yeah, it would look crazy. Know? So
1: Bombs over Baghdad was filmed in Born Homes. They just made it look so artsy and beautiful when this was a very treacherous trap.
0: The most fire part of that was
2: the scene of everybody just running down the hill.
1: Running down the same hills of grass that we saw shootouts occur. You take a city that normally in certain circumstances looked like this, and these guys made it look like this. You know what I'm saying? Um,
0: then we move to track 12 explosion featuring be real from Cypress Hill. what you got on this one?
2: I loved it. You know, I've seen a lot of people say that they didn't like be real on the song. And I'm like, y'all are fucking tripping. Be real killed that verse. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I get it. Some people don't like, you know, his vocal tone or whatever, but I guess for me, I've always been a fan of like odd voices if that makes sense. So like, yeah, he killed that. Like, that's not a collab that you would ever expect to like actually mesh that well. Like I'm a fan of style matchups and hip hop. And I really feel like that was one for the ages. Like Mm. be real killed that he might've had my favorite verse on that song. Actually.
0: Oh, Oh, no question. No question. Um, he, he definitely had my favorite verse on that particular song. Um, but yeah, he, he crushed it, man. And I think a guy like be real who, um, You know, obviously coming from Cypress Hill I'll be honest, when I first saw his name on the on the liner notes for this song, I was like Cass And be real? I was like, you know, it's sort of my first thought was like, I don't know about this and then once I played it, I was like, (laughs) because he (laughs) was like Exactly. Exactly. So I, I love it, man. Still love that joint. It bangs. To this day, um, so aggressive too, yes, just mad, like Adeline Dreams, so aggressive. aggressive. Um, next track is an interlude, Good Hair, featuring uh, the quote unquote most feared man in comedy, Henry Welch. Um, Henry Welch is a funny dude, man. If you get a chance, pull up his stuff on YouTube. Um, he's from, he's from Birmingham, but he lives, he's lived here for the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I don't know, shit It's probably longer than that because he's been he, he was here when his album was made um but uh funny dude man and uh to get this interlude you probably would have to see uh henry you know do a stand-up or something like that but real funny dude but um that was an interlude there then we moved to track 14 uh we uh. love these hoes <laughs> featuring backbone <laughs> and big guilt from the goody mob uh what what, what what were your thoughts on this one
2: well, it's not one of my three favorite tracks on the album. it does have one of my top three favorite beats on the album. That beat from organized noise is fucking ridiculous dog like the where where like oh my God in the hook you know like I, I like how they were rapping their asses off, but the song was still hilarious mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: you know, like. Like I definitely, like I notice that a lot of people say that this is the weakest song in the album, and I'm just like, mm, nah, I'd still take it over "I'll Call Before I Come,"
0: you know.
2: <laughs> and another thing too is I've always been a sucker for Big Gibbs voice. Mm-hmm. Like I, he he has one of my favorite voices in rap. Okay. Because it's melt it's super mellow, but you can still hear like, like the griminess, like the gruff, like raspiness in his voice. I love that and big boy obviously killed it and backbone it backbone is he's just he's such a dude i I love it like like you hear him and you're just like this is the voice of like this is like the voice of atlanta right here Mm -hmm. you know he just has that raspiness that slow that that slow rapping style but you're feeling every word like i love Backbone. i'm right you know like let me not get too deep into it because then everybody's going to like say, Oh, this is just a dungeon family. It's just a dungeon family stand, which they're not wrong, but
0: no, man, it's uh, this joint right here. I like this joint. It, It wasn't, I don't think it was as good as the other songs, but, uh, for what they're spitting about and for what it's worth and where they have it placed on this album, it's cool. It's cool. It's not, it's not a skip for me, but it's not, it's not one of their better tracks, but, um, I mean, like you said, they got Gip on here. Gip is from, you know, Goody Mob. So anything with Goody Mob, I'm rolling. Um, Then we move to track 15, Humble Mumble featuring Erica Badu. Um, The lovely, great, and talented Erica Badu. Um, What did you think about this one?
2: Loved it um this is probably objectively the best song on the album to me from a production and rhyming standpoint just the creativity of it and you can't go wrong with erica badu ever in life like i'm sorry you just can't (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) emphasize the p on that nope um yeah she is she killed that you know this 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 album came out shortly after her and andre broke up right
0: uh, yeah, because if I'm
2: not mistaken, he changed his name from just Dre to Andre 3000 after Quim and I, when this album came out. And I remember him in an interview saying that he changed it shortly after he broke up with Eric Abadu. Okay, So I think it's cool that they were still able to work together and put a track out. Mm-hmm. Even though they were, they had probably just grown up, broken up, like probably less than a year prior. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The song is gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I like this, like this joint. I like this joint too. Um, like I said, you it's can't. Like,
2: it has like an evolution. It has an evolution of like the native tongue sound vibe to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you can't go wrong with uh, any track with Erica Badu on it. <laughs> so it um, yeah, just can't. And I mean, she she was Soul Aquarians. she there you go she was killing it um but yeah i like this joint man i like this joint and 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 i think it was with her being on a um you know the previous album i think you're right they they probably if they had not been dating they were probably starting to date around that time by the time this album comes out maybe they're no longer together but you know that didn't stop her from being on this album so that was cool um Track 16, Drinking Again is an interlude. Um, then we move to the next track, track 17, which is question mark. <laughs> um, and then track 18. Track 17 is only a, a minute, 29 seconds.
2: Um, His verse on that was dope, though.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. Um, then we move to track 18, Red Velvet. Um, <laughs>
2: love this joint, man. Uh, I do too What would you think
0: about this one man um,
2: This is another one that could have been the fourth single Um You know like the hook is catchy But the verses are also crazy I love the beat that weird synth going on Um You know big boy starts his verse off now uh, Um now Peter Piper picked a peck Like like, like he's just It's just they say the most random shit At times but like Then they tie it all in together and you're just like Wait did Peter Piper really picked this
0: <laughs>
2: and then I'm like questioning like like Outcast is one of the only groups that had me questioning all my life choices by the time I'm done with one song um but yeah another banger another oh yeah. banger
0: no doubt no doubt uh, Red Velvet um another one of my is it didn't make the top three f- as far as favorites um but you know it was uh it's right up there man um yeah this this joint still still makes me um it, it brings back a good vibe for me um and one thing i forgot to even mention about the previous song uh, the question um you know when you listen to that track and just the the sonic of how it sounds again i go back to the point that i made a little earlier in the podcast is that you know some of these songs you know give us a, a sneak peek as to what now we didn't know this at the time but if you go back and listen to it, it gives you a sneak peek of what to expect on you know um on uh speaker box love below which is outcast's you know out follow-up album to uh stankonia so um
2: yeah question mark you kind of hear andre rapping in mm-hmm. that same style mm-hmm. on the song same spread style.
0: exactly same style <laughs> Uh then we move to track nineteen, uh cruising in the ATL Break.
1: ATL
0: Cruising in the Cruising I like this interlude, man, because it <laughs> It sounds like something, I mean, of course, you weren't around in the 80s, but it sounds like something that wouldn't hurt in the 80s for real,
2: honestly. It sounds like a tooth, it sounds like, like if it wasn't, if it didn't have the word cruising in it, it almost sounds like a down south, like tooth, toothpaste commercial. I don't know why that <laughs> came into my head, but it just I don't just know what you're talking about. <laughs> it just, it just does. It sounds like a TV commercial.
0: So, you know, um, like
2: it has that vibe to it.
0: Right. Then track 20. Uh, Gangsta Shits featuring Slim Calhoun, c Bone, and T-Mo from Goody Mob. What you got on this one?
2: I think this is the first trap beat ever made on a hip hop song. Mm. Challenge me if you mother. I, I don't know if that's true or not,
0: to. but okay.
2: Look, <laughs> if look at the end of the day, if it wasn't, then this is the first one to me that actually made an impact. Like you hear it, and it—it's it, literally a trap beat in the year 2000. Mm. You know, um, Andre's verse though—we need to talk about that for a minute, because like, I remember I, I went back to this album maybe a year or two ago after not listening to it for months and months, and I had forgotten that Andre had a verse on this song. Like, I wasn't expecting him to come in, and then he came in last, and he was just like, "Outcast with a K, yeah, the, mm, a hard, harder than." A, mm, tr- Trying to impress God, I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, okay, easy, there, killer. Like, I didn't, I was. That was kind of my reaction because everybody before that was kind of just, you know, riding along to the beat. It sounded like a, you know, beat 'em up club song. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And Andre comes in and spits probably, from a technical standpoint, his best verse on the album, and I'm just like, whoa, wait, what? You know, but yeah, I love this song. It, yeah. it slaps in a car. Like, if only by my three favorite, like, jams off this album to play in a car, then that's probably number one. But in general, it didn't make my top three.
0: Yeah, there, there are certain songs that I think you can hear sometimes that will define an album or define an era. This song right here defines that era of Atlanta where it was all about riding up and down the street in your box Chevy you know with 15s and it was just oh, bands, yeah it was crunk it was crunk man, too and it, and it was funny it was like crunk wasn't even really a word back then but this was Camelton Road this was Candler Road this was old National Highway this was um Peachtree Street this was every main city street thoroughfare that where people would hang out this was banging at that time
2: you know you know what it made me you know what it reminds me of do you remember how back in the day like in terms of hip hop culture everyone would wear like really really big t-shirts mm-hmm. and like oversized pants and whatnot mm-hmm. i just it, it, that song kind of brings me back to that like i remember most of the images i saw of like hip hop atlanta like the culture of hip hop down there, Mm -hmm. like the sweat, like the swag in terms of like what you wore, it was like the super large white t-shirts.
0: Well, you know what? That, that I will, I will stop you there. That wasn't honestly, that wasn't this era. That, that era was the era that came right after that. So the big Ts that was, do you think
2: that, do you think that stylistically though, that a song like gangsta shit was kind of like a prelude to that era?
0: I, yeah, I, I could say that. I, w- I wouldn't have a problem saying that. It, yeah. it just it was I guess that's,
2: I guess that's why it makes me think of that yeah. but
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't that era know. though. That was this was the this was like the last of that era just where it was just really about you know boom in your car and you would just you know a lot of times guys would just pull up parking lot pimp don't even go in the club and just hang out and or you go to Greenbriar Mall, you go to South of Cab Mall and just hang out and just, and it was just, it was about the scene and just about being outside and being on the street. And it really wasn't about what you had on. I mean, like dudes always came, you know, kind of fly, whatever the case may be, but you knew <laughs> if somebody was from Decatur, you knew they were from Decatur. Like it was make no mistake right. about it. And same thing goes to hey. college park and, 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 and so forth and so on.
2: If, if it wasn't for Atlanta, FIFA wouldn't be saying bumping the whip. <laughs>
0: Well, I think at this particular time, this is where the music was. And this song kind of was, I guess in a nutshell, what I'm saying is this song was definitely the epitome of what Southern music in Atlanta sounded like. And this got a lot of play, you know, in the street, a lot of play, actually a lot of radio play, to be honest, Um, the clean version, but um, a certified banger on this album. Um, then we move to track 21, Toilet Tisha. Uh, what'd you think about Toilet Tisha?
2: Toilet Tisha was dope. Um, I thought it was really bold and brave of them to make a song like that about, uh, suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the mom that comes in crying at the end, that Mm -hmm. shit was bone chilling. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, yeah. that's really all I got to say about that one. It's not one of my favorites on the album, but I have a deep appreciation for it. Given some of my struggles in life, I can find some of it relatable.
0: Right. This, this was a song that I think I understand now why it was on the album. Uh, I don't think I understood why it was on the album back then. Um, I didn't either. I honestly, I could do without this song. Um, it's not a skip per se, but it's not a song that, for me, when I look back at the totality of this album, I think this was one song too many, and I can actually say that about this song and then the final song, um, which we'll get to in just a, yeah, we'll get to in just a second. Uh, but yeah, okay, there's a couple of tracks that I think you know, I only mentioned one track that I would take off this album, but I'd, I'd take this one off too. I get where they were trying to go. This one might have fit better on Speakerbox, Love Below. I definitely couldn't find a place for it on Aquimini. But um, yeah, this one, this one didn't really, it didn't, I get what they were saying. I mean, like you said, dealing with the, the subject matter. And at that particular time, nobody in hip hop would take it upon themselves to you know, talk about what they're, what it is that they're talking about. And like you said, the, the mother screaming at the end was, you know, definitely brought the song all the way home. But if I was the a and I'm not, I probably wouldn't put it on the album. Okay. I probably
2: wouldn't put it on there.
0: Um, all right. track 22. You learned
2: something new about, you learned something new about the people that you enjoy talking to every
0: day. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. I could do it that one. Um, track 22 slum beautiful with, CeeLo green from goodie
2: Mo- oh man i yes. love this song yes slum beautiful oh <laughs> god that shit is so crazy oh yeah the In big boy's verse too. like the way he like big boy floated this was the album that made me question like why people sleep on big boy the way they do because i can make the case that he might have been better on this album than andre was i don't go that far <laughs>
0: I will agree. I think were, you won't, but I will. I think I think they were about even, but I think, um, but I, I get your point though. I think Big Boy definitely um, the 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 sh- the sword was very sharp, very sharp on this album. Uh, I, I agree with you, man. This is um, this is another banger, um, and I think you know anytime you get Big Boy and and and, and CeeLo on a track, man. It, it, you're in you're in a good place and um i enjoy this one man i, I really like this and this one still slaps to this day um then track 23 we have the prenup uh, interlude and then we close out the album with track 24 uh like i said it's 74 minutes long so this is a long album even by 2000 standards um Right. But the album closes out with uh Stank Onia, Stank Love featuring Big Rube and Sleepy Brown. Uh what did you think about that one?
2: Oh man, dog, this was the perfect, perfect outro man. Every time I hear this, like it just it kinda sends chills down my spine with the way Sleepy's singing. And oh man, like when he ends that part with like we're about to explode. I'm just like, Oh my God, bro. Like how, how can anybody not like this song? It's long. I get it, you know, but like just, Oh man. Like, you know how they say, like, you know how like some people have like the list of music that they would probably make love to. Mm-hmm. That would be a song that would get put on my playlist.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh wow.
2: Yeah yep oh wow so you know the outro to stankonia is going on the you know is going on that playlist because i mean like look at the end of the day sleepy is just like his voice is perfect for that kind of you know yeah i'll i'll leave it at that but yeah the perfect outro to the album Mm. i might like this more than chunky fire if i'm being honest with you Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. I take that back. No, that, that now I'm now I know I'm pushing it too far. Yeah. No, I take that back. But I do love the song.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I I it doesn't do anything for me. Um, All right. It. <laughs> in fact, it does very little for me. I think.
2: Oh man.
0: I think part of the issue where I think and I'll get in, I guess I might as well get into it now as we talk, as we talk about the album, um, just overall thoughts. I think this album probably was two or three tracks too much. Um, and I think that's the first time that I can say that about an outcast album. When you look at, their first album, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music, when you look at the second album, um, AT Aliens, when you look at the third album, Aquimini, Um, I couldn't say that about those albums. I can, I can honestly say that about this album. This, song is, this album is probably about three songs too many. And, and, and it has nothing to do with the length, but I think those songs, if you take those songs off, you have a better album. Um, but it doesn't detract away from where i think this album is because i think this is a great album um it's not as good as the previous three efforts but it's still outcast has set the bar so how you mentioned you know some other hip-hop groups and stuff those when you have three incredible albums to come out of the gate and if your fourth is not as good but still great
2: i think that says a lot
0: you know so Um,
2: I think it. I think it was as good.
0: No, I. I couldn't. I couldn't put this. I couldn't put this up there with those. But I I feel you, though. I feel you. Um. So, if you're ranking the albums, last question before we get out of here, if you're ranking the albums, um, and you're not ranking the albums, if you're ranking this particular album, if you're giving it a microphone, let's use the the sources microphone system. Um, with one being terrible, two being whack, three being good, four being great, five being a classic. Uh, how many mics would you give Stank On It?
2: Well, first of all, I rank it third in their discography behind Atlians and Aquemini. Okay. Um, so it's one spot above Southern Playlistic, but I could go back and forth. It, get, it gets five for me. Okay.
0: Wow. You give this a five mic out?
2: Oh, easily. Wow. Tripping. One of the easiest <laughs> ones I could give it to. You said what?
0: I said you're tripping, but okay. But, I, but I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening.
2: I just... Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but it to me, it, it's perfect. Like There's nothing about it I would change. Hmm. It's one of the very few albums that's this long that I can't find anything I can change about it. You know,
1: mm. okay, um, okay,
2: and its impact on Southern hip hop was absolutely massive. So, you know, yeah, I think this album gave a lot of people I and mean, a lot of hip hop artists in Atlanta that I think this album might've made Atlanta, like from 2000 to now, the Mecca of hip hop, not all time. That's still New York, obviously, but mm-hmm. As we know, the South has been running shit since like the early 2000s. I think this album started that.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, there's there's definitely some credence to that. This album was definitely a, a brick in the wall, a huge brick in the wall for Southern hip hop. Um, if I had to give it... If I had to give it a mic, it's definitely not a five mic. I would say... It's four. I give it four. Um, again, I think if you take those tracks off, if you take those tracks off, now, now we're talking. We're talking about something totally different here. Um, but I can't ignore those tracks. And those Those easily can be skippable tracks. Um, I don't, sk- well, I skip one, but I don't skip the other two. But no, it's just, I, I can't even in good conscience call it a five-mic album. Um, but again, a solid, solid effort from outcast. And, and I just remember again, you know, being around the city and just the buzz that was around here. So I, I will say that there is a level of, um, uh, bias to some degree because, you know, these guys are like our hometown heroes. So, um, there's a love and a certain love and respect. And affinity.
2: And, was that, I imagine them and I imagined them in goody mob for you
0: oh definitely definitely and, and and you know the thing is is that uh, if you're around the city particularly at that particular time it would be nothing for you to run into him. like you literally could run into like I remember one time I ran into Andre at a gas station I mean like he was just chilling like I mean it's it's and they're just the coolest cats that you ever want to be around. It's just everybody's so cool and down to earth. You know, it's no, it ain't on a
2: Southern super- hospitality. Oh,
0: no question. And it's not any type of superstar shit or anything like that. Just real, just some real down ass cats. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm giving this four mics. Uh, I think it is. I think it's aged well. I think it, again, uh, as I said earlier, I think it was a, a very good bridge and gave us a glimpse as to, you know, what to expect uh, from their next album, Speakerbox, Love Below. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I'm definitely feeling it. Um, before we get out of here, Matt, uh, anything you want to talk about or tell people where they can find you, where they can uh, catch you at or anything like that?
2: Um, I'm actually on Twitter now, y'all. Okay. Um and, I mean, I do have an Instagram, but I only use it f- to, like, follow other people. Um, um, but, yeah, reach Without out to me Twitter. on Facebook. To my Twitter. Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> you know Don't worry about it. I'll put it in the show notes.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't. I just log on. I don't remember my actual Twitter handle, y'all. But, yeah, find <laughs> me on Facebook. and, uh, and <laughs> How do I not remember my Twitter handle? Hey, What's man. wrong, man? Because you don't tweet um,
0: yourself. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is.
2: Uh, you know (laughs) yeah but yeah y'all can find me on Twitter and Facebook
0: no doubt no doubt well you guys have been been listening this long you know where to find me if you don't it's 12 Kyle the number one two KYLE all across the board all platforms Uh, this is the 12 Kyle podcast this podcast can be found and heard streamed downloaded uh, on every streaming platform where podcasts are free uh that's gonna do it for us uh once again outcast stankonia 25 years later with the homie matt b i'm your boy 12 20 20 oh excuse me does i say 25th i'm sorry
2: 20 yeah you said 25 my bad my
0: bad 20 20 (laughs) i'm giving it too many years 20 year anniversary uh, Uh of stankonia uh that's gonna do it for us Uh, So for my man, Matt B, I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five Gs.